0: There are people who plan their career paths to the T. They know exactly where they'll be in the next 5-10 to years. They know what they want out of their professions. Yet, there are others who just go with the flow with no fixed plans of what they want to do in their careers. Meet Raj, not the Raj Malhotra of Dilwale Dulhanya Le Jayenge. We are referring to Rajgopal SV, Principal at Health Information Technology and Clinical Research Giant, IQVIA formerly Quintiles and IMS Health. Raj comes with rich consulting experience, having helped technology companies with their growth strategy, customer experience, organizational effectiveness and performance improvements. He has also hugely contributed towards digital transformation of many Indian SMEs.
1: Raj, welcome to Contented, the podcast on all things content. Uh, it's a great honor to have you here today.
2: Thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure being here.
0: Welcome to episode 5 of Content Ed. We bring you Raj and conversation with our CEO Padmaja Narsipur on his 17 plus years of experience across domains like manufacturing, consumer goods, technology and life sciences. What made this maverick with a pedigreed IIT and IIM background veer from working abroad to entrepreneurship back home to leadership positions in large MNCs?
1: Your LinkedIn profile shows that you've had a long run with diverse sets of companies. I saw uh, biomedical, automotive, uh, aerospace, pharma, and now you're uh, in a senior position at IQVIA India. Uh, So can you uh, tell us about the underlying thread or the Underlying vision behind all these different career moves.
2: I'd like to say that there is a thread, <laughs> But I don't think there is any thread at all. I think uh, After working for about 17-18 years, I've realized that career is like one of the most uh, nonlinear things in life. I did my IIT mm-hmm. I chose to pursue uh, for IIT, but it was not really a choice. Everybody in my school was trying. So I also tried Then, um, you know, on counseling day, people said, oh, for your rank, you'll get mechanical engineering. And uh, I didn't have a clue what mechanical engineering was. But all of my friends were, you know, going to IIT Madras. So, I said, I also go with them. Mm -hmm. So, it's not really a choice, right? So, you did engineering. But okay, I liked a lot of the engineering stuff that I learned. And like most people in IIT Madras, uh, you know, the day you enter the campus, the first thing that's told to you is, uh, you know, you should start preparing for applying to go to US. Okay. Now that's the sort of the, you work four years so that you can land in, the, in US. the US. That's one of the, in fact, if I remember in my batch of about 350 people, there was just one guy who chose to stay back mm-hmm. in India and he's actually now working in this row. Okay. Right. So the true purpose for which IIT was established, that a success is one out of 350. Mm-hmm. If you look at it in that fashion. So I also went abroad. But it's when I went abroad is where you know the first time in my life uh, I had to actually choose what to study Mm -hmm. because in the US the system is you have to choose your own uh, you have to stitch together your own electives. I have never chosen in my life so I didn't know what to do so I dropped.
1: Oh okay.
2: And uh, then I said what do I do now I'm here in the US what should I do so I tied up with a company which uh, sort of got me assignments in different places. Mm -hmm and that was fun again there was this choice right mm-hmm. i had again choose sort of you know what to do in life and i said um, you know let me try a hand at this whole startup uh, you know ecosystem which was then budding uh, in bangalore about 10 years back and i had a chance to work with uh, a company called farmark mm-hmm. in uh, bangalore it was a startup then and a great uh, you know, guy Amit Sadana, who's a CEO, co-founder of the uh, company. So we grew very rapidly. It was a fantastic experience. Learned a lot about how do you run a business, things like that. Then Farmer got acquired by what is now IQIA. Ah, yeah. oh,
1: okay. Right.
2: And uh, but back then there was some sort of structural changes. In most acquisitions, it's the leadership which takes a hit. So I sort of found myself without a clear role. So I decided, okay, let me go out and try something on my own. So, the point I am trying to make is a uh, lot of these things are not planned. It happens, life happens to you and then you respond. Correct. So, the diversity you see, a large part of it is a response mm. to what life threw at me. Mm. So, it is not really that I said, okay, I will first start working in biomedical, then I will go to automotive, then I will go to pharma. It is not like that. It is just that these things keep coming to me and I reacted. Right. So, but I think uh, it has helped me in terms of the ability to pick uh, things up very fast. Mm-hmm. Something new that's thrown, for example, the role that I'm doing now uh, in digital health. I've been exposed to technology before, but the intersection of healthcare and technology was new to me. It allowed me to sort of pick up things uh, quickly and uh, see patterns. I would say that is the, um, probably one of the learnings of having such a diverse uh, career.
1: I read a statistic that uh, India produces 15 lakh engineers Mm. a year for a $2 trillion economy. Whereas the US, which is, I think it's an $8 trillion economy, it's producing 1.2 lakh engineers a year. So we don't really need the 15 lakh engineers. Whereas they could be going into all sorts of different uh, things. What is your view about this? Where, Where is the gap and why is it persisting in our country?
2: See, I think it's a very complex question and it's, I mean, it's really the three idiots kind of question, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things. First is, uh, if you look at outside of engineering or, uh, or medical, mm-hmm. you have very few institutions of, of very good quality. So, let's say you say, I want to study law, mm-hmm. probably have four or five very good law colleges in India with a total capacity of, I don't know, maybe 500, 600. it's a drop in the ocean Mm -hmm. suppose someone says I want to do uh, economics Mm -hmm. same thing you have probably four or five really good economics colleges um, with again the you know capacity of you know a few hundreds or maybe a few thousands Mm -hmm. so there is a shortage of quality institutions in the non uh, outside of engineering and medical I think Mm -hmm. that's one so even if I want to pursue something my choices are limited Mm -hmm. I think that's probably one uh, area second thing is the selection system Right. I mean, I have been through the IIT selection system, I have been through the IIM selection system. It optimizes one trait, which is very high, um, you know, quantitative aptitude. Mm-hmm. That's really what it uh, sort of uh, tries to filter, mm-hmm. which is just one trait you require to be a successful engineer um, or to be a successful manager. I mean, if I have to design, if somebody said, you know, uh, redesign a car. Quantitative aptitude is just one element to redesign a car, right? You need to be creative. Mm -hmm. You need to have a sense of, you know, sort of uh, user experience. Correct. Right? You need to have a sense of uh, sustainability, materials. Uh, You're not really choosing people with all those traits. Correct. If you look at, for example, uh, National Institute of Design, they have a very different selection process. So there is, they have a test, but they ask you to bring their, bring your portfolio, which means they look for some kind of design uh, aptitude. Mm-hmm. They have an essay on, you know, gauging your uh, design philosophy. They have a studio test where they ask you to design something. And a combination of all this decides who gets into NID or not. They do it for a group, you know, sort of a batch size of about 60 people but at least those 60 people are guaranteed to be uh, you know good designers because mm-hmm. they come with certain design if i ask in iit how many people have the engineering aptitude mm-hmm. or in iim how many have the managerial aptitude i'm not sure what the answer is but i'm sure it will not be in the uh, you know a majority Concepts. so the selection system is another um, issue the last is of course you know what they teach you in the course itself
1: how much does a good college matter Uh, For example, you said there are only a handful of good colleges, right? If you look at the US, for example, there are the Ivy Leagues and then there are the, you know, Tier 1, Tier 2 colleges and so on. Here, we have this huge supply and, uh, you know, industry is also, our economy is not that big yet, although it's getting bigger. How much does it matter whether you come from, let's say, like a UVC versus... I don't know, another engineering college which doesn't have that pedigree. Or even, uh, you know, an IIT versus a regular engineering college. How much does it matter? Yeah. Especially now you're sitting in an employer's position. Do yeah. you look at their uh, resume and say, okay, this is an IIT person and call them automatically to an interview?
2: See, I don't. I don't do that. In fact, even when I introduce myself to others, I don't typically say that I'm from IIT or am. I say that I'm engineering background and I have done my MBA. That's how I describe it. Um, because what's happened is, unfortunately, the IIT-IM has become like an elitist tag. Mm. Right? That was not the intent mm. of setting up these institutions in the first place. I mean, the IIM was set up, for example, to... Staff administrative capacity in public sector units. Mm-hmm. Because there was a severe shortage of that kind of capacity. IIT was done for research. So it was not with elitist aims at all. It was done with very, very, you know, pluralistic aims, but it's become like that. But it's become like that because of the uh, entrance procedure. I mean, only when 1% or less of those who apply for an exam, you know, get through, you t- tend to develop a certain, um, you know, sort of attitude that you're better than the rest 99%. Mm-hmm. But, but leaving that aside, right? there will always be bright students as i said you know if you have the engineering aptitude and you go to a non iit college and obviously you are going to go out of your way to hone that aptitude you're going to do projects you are going to do uh, projects in the uh, college you're going to do projects outside the um, you know classroom and you will become a good engineer and because you become a good engineer you will get good engineering opportunities a good college is one which has uh, you know good talented no, teachers. Professors, teachers. So that's one. The second is I think the company also matters. Uh, I think it's important to be in a place where at least your circle, maybe not the entire batch, but your circle of friends are uh, motivated, are hardworking, they bring the right uh, view to you know studies and life in general you want to be in a good company because the company also has a huge influence so for me a good college is one that ticks these two now it's not necessary that those have to be iits and IMs, they could be other kinds of institutions but for me that's the parameter that whatever we study we have to make sure that we get into colleges which tick these two boxes
0: what is health The dictionary defines health as the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual and social well-being of an individual. Healthcare in the ester years was primarily administered by midwives, herbalists and people who were called faith healers. While common ailments such as cold and cough were accepted as part of regular existence, disabling diseases were looked at differently. They were thought to be of supernatural origin. Treatments were given to the supernatural rather than to the disease itself. Well, thankfully, we have come a long way from that. Did you know that it was from India that the concepts of medical diagnosis, prognosis, and advanced medical ethics were introduced to the world? Sushruta, who is known As the father of Indian medicine, listed hundreds of herbal remedies based on years of extensive experiments during his time in the 6th century BC. Medicines and healthcare as we know it today have completely evolved since then. The increase in anatomical knowledge and exposure to rapidly progressing technology have paved way many a discovery in medicine and treatments administered to patients worldwide.
1: Lifestyle diseases are now overcoming uh, the acute kind of diseases that used to be very prevalent in emerging markets. Uh, Why do you think uh, that's happening? That's an alarming fact by the way. So why do you think this is happening?
2: Well, I mean, I think the one word answer is, of course, the changing lifestyles and changing environmental conditions. Mm-hmm. We are exposed to more um, sort of chemicals and, and uh, pollutants today than, let's say, thirty years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the diet has undergone a huge modification. For example, I was just talking to my um, father-in-law, who was saying that even if you go back, like to when he was young, he grew up in rural Tamil Nadu. White rice was not a big part of their diet. It was eaten on certain occasions. It was mostly millet-based diets. Mm -hmm. Millets that were grown locally. That was the sort of predominant uh, diet base. Now, almost, if you look at Tamil Nadu, people just assume that white rice is the de facto staple. Mm -hmm. Whereas it is not. In 70 years, it's undergone a shift. Mm -hmm. Right? And we know white rice is just very, very carbohydrate-rich. And it's, you know, very low on fiber and things like that. This is just one. And there's so many other things, right? You have processed food, you have packaged food, um, then you have the whole uh, exercise habits. Mm-hmm. People don't exercise, uh, you know, people sort of have more sedentary jobs. I think the combination of all of this has resulted in uh, you know the sudden explosion of diseases like uh, diabetes, mm-hmm. cardiovascular, BP, hypertension, so on and so forth. So that what we call in the healthcare parlance is chronic diseases. Chronic diseases. Yeah. Right? And that's that's true across the world. I mean, it's true in Middle East. It's even true in large parts of Africa. The same um, things are happening there. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of one of the biggest reasons why this is happening. Cancer, of course, is a little special case. Yes, there is a lot of these chemicals and pollution that's coming in. But then, uh, you know, somewhere the genetics also plays a role. Uh, it's still a very evolving science. But, uh, yeah, by and large, the chronic is, uh, you know, sort of driven by uh, these kinds of lifestyle.
1: How deep is sir, technology penetration? Is it really effective in uh, healthcare delivery? So, in healthcare,
2: not yet. Mm. Um, see, the technology penetration is there in terms of let's say smartphone access or uh, uh, you know digital media access or internet connectivity. So that barrier has been broken uh, because of large you know investments uh, by the government and policies and things like that. What is required is now to use that infrastructure to then bring the healthcare um, innovations mm-hmm. and what you find typically is that um, for most of these patients there are two big influencers one is the doctor itself I mean mm-hmm. if the doctor says something it will it will it will get done the second is the sort of the family the caregivers mm-hmm. so a lot of education mm-hmm. uh, through the doctor and through the caregiver is needed to you know adopt uh, some of these solutions mm-hmm. so it's a it's a it's a slow process. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but you know, definitely the, the trend is positive. Maybe today the uh, extent to which a rural patient is using technology to monitor their health or to monitor their medication consumption is probably very, very low. Mm-hmm. But in general, in terms of you know for example, people have just the very first thing that most people do is just go online and search about their disease. Got and it. that's the first uh, step that they start taking. So suppose a doctor says you have diabetes. Mm-hmm they just go to Google and type diabetes. That's the first step that they do. Um, It's then, you know, as they get more and more mature, Mm -hmm. they start exploring other... uh, The next thing you might do is you might stumble upon certain uh, blogs or patient communities Mm -hmm. which are actively discussing about uh, diseases. Um, Then the next thing you might do is, you know, you might start like uh, looking at different types of doctors and figuring out different types of medication. And then finally, you might say, okay, let me download this app. So there is a journey. is a progression. But I think we will get there. I think the trend is definitely. And there is a lot of push by the ecosystem. So governments are pushing it. Companies are pushing it. Doctors know that something has to be done. And insurance companies are pushing for it. So the institutions are pushing for it. And uh, the infrastructure is there. So I think the ingredients are there for a good journey. I think it's just a matter of time, time. Uh, curation
1: of content is so important as important maybe as creation itself yeah because uh, the internet is a fount of uh, information now yeah but at the same time much of it is false or Correct. fake Correct. Um, there's even like you know all these urban myths when it comes to diabetes yeah. for example yeah we get all these whatsapp forwards yeah, or yeah. some uh, berry or yeah. root making a difference right, right. Uh, So, what is your commentary on that, about the content curation aspect of it?
2: See, I think it has to be done in a uh, very structured fashion and it has to be done in a very collaborative fashion. For example, you should bring the doctor in, Mm. into this. Mm. So, the doctor cannot be left out of this. I mean, even it can be be patient oriented, Mm. but the doctor has to be brought in. So, for example, you might have to work with a medical association or you might have to work with a panel of doctors to say, can you put us in touch with patients? Who have been through this journey and whom you think have successfully managed the disease because they have followed the right regime, and then you have to you know build the content from there. It cannot be I will just you know scrape content from somewhere, and uh, it it cannot be like that. Mm -hmm. Or it has to be a community that is nurtured uh, by people who are very credible.
1: In your experience, uh, how uh, tech savvy or digital world savvy are doctors here in India or even the other emerging markets? Yeah. Are they able to make that connect that they need to st- sort of almost be thought leaders in the space uh, to produce or curate uh, content, to use that content to educate their patients and the community? What does your experience been like? See, I
2: think the intent is there, hmm. right? Uh, so we do a lot yeah. of you know, patient journey mappings for most of whenever we develop a solution. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, one of the, one of the ingredients of that is we actually immerse ourselves into the care journey. We act as patients and we go and talk to doctors, we talk to other patients. There are a lot of areas where doctors definitely have the intent. Mm -hmm. So, a recent example, you know, we were uh, investigating this uh, skin problem Mm -hmm. called eczema. It affects children. It sort of develops a very severe rash. Mm -hmm. Now, it was very interesting when we talked to doctors and we talked to doctors in, it's not metro, right? We went to Mysore, uh, we went to Tungkur, it's, it's all over the place. Um, they were saying that, you see, the when the child is diagnosed with eczema, typically they pick it up in the, you know, the, the young age. Uh, there are certain precautions prescribed for the child. You know, don't play in dust. Keep the part covered. Um, if you're sweating a lot, you know, hold back. They said the, the parents have a very tough time having this conversation with the child, mm. right? Because you are asking the child to hold back from its natural behavior, Correct. right? And most parents are not skilled to have this conversation. You're mm. not naturally articulate. So you need that kind of counseling support. Right. And I don't have that infrastructure. So I don't have like a counselor sitting in my clinic who can tell the parents mm. how to talk to the child. Mm. So if there's some way I could do and I don't have the time mm. because I have, I have 50 patients Right. Right. So, but I, but this is an unmet need. Right. We need this because otherwise what happens is the child doesn't follow and it gets worse. Mm. Right. Uh, So, the intent is, this is just one example. Mm. The intent is clearly there. Even in cancer. Mm. Right. Uh, Clearly, you know, there's a lot of psychological counseling because it's a long drawn out process. Mm. Some of the therapy areas have a lot of, they take a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the, the, for example, if you take chemotherapy, a lot of effects on the body. Side effects. You may lose weight, you You may may lose lose hair, all of that, right? So, it's counseling that is needed. Now, the large hospitals might be able to invest in that kind of psychological counseling. Some of the others may not. But the doctors will acknowledge always Mm -hmm. that there is an, they will say that there is needed, it is needed, it is important and they recognize the importance. Mm -hmm. What they are not capable of is creating digital solutions Mm -hmm. themselves to do this.
1: Correct.
2: That they are not. And, and I don't think it's, it's too much to expect from them because what's needed from them is the clinical expertise. Correct. You cannot ask digital expertise from doctors. Sure. So it's the honors of the institutions, the hospitals, the pharma companies, and the insurance companies and the governments.
1: Thank you, Raj, for uh, talking to us today. I think um, the promise of uh, health tech is still not felt on the ground in many places. But companies like yours are doing a lot to bridge that gap between what, where we can go and where we are right now. Um, So really uh, thankful for you uh, having come here and uh, talking to us today.
0: That was an interesting conversation with a Maverick leader. Rad's experiences show us that sometimes the best paths are not those that are carefully planned and executed we may sometimes be better off fully immersing ourselves in the experiences that life throws at us constantly learning and becoming better versions of ourselves till we meet again adios from content